Yeah, that's the uh, that's the technical skill level I bring to the table here, Mark. Good work. Mm-hmm. All those uh, YouTube videos on how to produce podcasts <laughs> are starting to pay off. Yeah, they are. <laughs> This is professional now. Yeah. Hey, Mark, we're in First uh, John chapter 5, and we're reading about the sin leading to death. That sounds Just ominous. Like, yeah, it does. This is Inner Man Radio, equipping the inner man for victory through Christ, one honest conversation at a time. So drop those excuses, pick up your Bibles, and recruit a friend. Hey, let's go ahead and read 1 John chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, Mark, and then we'll ask the fateful question. It goes like this. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will, for him, give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. A lot, of, a lot of death, a lot of sin. And there's, no, there's not even mostly leading to death. No, it's, it's, it's mostly death. dead. Yeah, it's so dead. <laughs> a little confusing. It can be confusing here because, I mean, what's a sin that does not lead to death? I thought all a sin little leads one. to death. Oh, oh, like a white A little white one, yeah, light. a little, a it's tiny like, one. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> do I look good in this dress? Yes, honey, you do. Is that what we're talking about? I mean... Both questions, both answers may lead to death in that case. <laughs> you know what it is? And I had a conversation with a, a Catholic friend this who... This is going to be good. Yeah. Well, just just from the setup, you uh-huh. know. Yeah. Uh, the sin of omission versus the sin of commission. Oh. So if oh, I, I don't do something that I really should have done... Is that as bad? That's It's not as bad as commission. Oh. Yeah, if I do something I know I shouldn't have done. Uh-oh, oh, yeah. Right, so... Gray area. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm not exactly sure where that comes from, but it's in the catechism somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. But as uh, Christians, if we should sin, it no longer leads to death because he does not impute iniquity to us, though. Right, so when we say the wages of sin is death, well, that's, obvi- that's absolutely true. But we recognize that it's no longer true for those who are no longer under the law of sin and death. So if a Christian sins, it doesn't immediately lead to spiritual death. He has life in Christ, even though he should sin. So what about the sin that does lead to death? Uh, what is it, and why not make requests for that? It seems like if I, was going to, if I was going to pray for anything, it would be for the person who is committing a sin leading to death. It would seem like it's <laughs> right, kind of high would... <laughs> on the priority scale. Yeah, that like, does seem like you know, it. It'd be like, you know... God, please give food to the guy who's already got food. No, no, you're praying for help for the guy who's starving. The guy who needs it, right. right. <clears throat> well, in this case, he definitely needs it. But the scripture tells us not to pray for the man who commits a sin that leads to death. There, there is a sin that does, and we'll have, to, we'll have to talk about dividing that from sin that does not lead to death. But here's a good look at it in Matthew chapter 12, in verse 30. Jesus said, He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, 
But whoever shall speak against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, so, so there were some sleepless nights when I was uh, oh, a kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever had any of these, uh-huh. but where I'd be laying in bed thinking, "Did I you. do it? <laughs> right? Did I did I blaspheme the Holy Spirit?" And so I was thinking, well, maybe you know, because I. I thought, okay, I don't think I crossed the line of saying, Holy Spirit, I hate you. Good. And right, so, good. So, okay, but I would have to work that through. No, See, so you so it was worse because cause I had the same issue, although my background was that if you thought it, that was as good as you did it. Oh, so so you, <laughs> right. you're in big trouble if you even considered it. Right. <clears throat> well, how did you work through that? Well, That's tricky. And by and by thinking it through at that moment, does that mean that you thought it, does, even though you inadvertently kind of didn't? Well, I think you have to think with intent in order for it to count against you. Okay, but just thinking about <laughs> thinking about it—that's different. It's different, <laughs> right? But if you isn't that terrible? How not knowing what that verse means has caused so much angst and and so much uncertainty because the issue of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus is describing here. Is, is commonly unknown, but it's often quoted. You know, people talk about it, but they don't really ever define the terms. And so because of that, it leaves a lot of uncertainty and it can be a lot of, a, a lot of turmoil, you know, yeah. internally. Well, did I, did I, did right. I not? Right. So right. let's see if we can sort that out today. What's, what is, the word blaspheme to, is, means to take something that is holy or should be treated as such and instead, treating it as something that is common and just vulgar. It's um, so you know a blasphemy would uh, well. Uh, great example of that is when Belshazzar takes the takes the temple vessels right mm-hmm. that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar grabbed from the from the temple of God in Jerusalem and brought back, and then he uses those vessels, the, those things that were set apart and sanctified for God's use exclusively. And he toasts his own false gods with him. That's a great example of blasphemy in a very physical sense. He took something that was holy, should have been used only for God, <clears throat> and used it for his own base purposes. Right. So we see the handwriting on the wall, and he, yeah. did, he didn't make it 24 hours, I don't think. No, he did so, not. Yeah. No, he didn't. <clears throat> so Romans chapter 2 gives us another kind of, a, kind of a look at that. In Romans chapter 2, in describing those who are hypocritical, he says in verse 24, he says, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. Those guys had the law. He's talking about Jews here in this context who have all of those, all of the advantages. They claim to know all those things, but because they don't keep the law that they claim to know, it presents an opportunity for the Gentiles to stumble because they blaspheme the name of God because the Jews don't treat him the way that he ought to be treated. And he draws the same conclusion for us. We ought to treat God as holy. Okay, so the unpardonable sin at this point, what, what we're concluding is it really is blaspheming God through, yeah. through our actions or blaspheming the Holy Spirit by taking that which is holy and making it appear profane Yes. or taking that which is holy and considering it as being profane or unholy. Yep. All right. Sounds a lot like uh, the person in Hebrews 10, right? It is that guy. <clears throat> yep. So in Hebrews chapter 10, we read in verse 26, 
He said, if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the basis of the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has, and note the elements of blasphemy here, trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace. Wow. Yeah, he's, taken, he's regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. He's insulted the Spirit of grace and trampled underfoot the Son of God. And yeah, nobody, I'm good. I don't need you anymore, God. It's all good. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Now, it's different for someone who is, who is outside of Christ. Well, they may make those same kind of blasphemies, but without having any kind of, of personal knowledge. Jesus said, you know, there in, uh, in the Matthew 12 passage, you know, lots of people would blaspheme the Son of Man talking about himself. But then he said that would be forgiven. But those who blaspheme the Holy Spirit blaspheme on a different level. It's, you know, it's, it'd be one thing <clears throat> if, if somebody said, you know, uh, you know I, I've decided I, I don't like that company. You know, I, I, I don't like that company. I don't want to work for that company. That company stinks. And, uh, and my company's <laughs> not your company. Well, I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> and my company's much better. You know something I don't know. <laughs> right. But what if now what if they worked for that company and then they leave and they say, you know, that company stinks and now they've got all of the, the they know everything about the company so they can blaspheme it. They can really talk it down to the people around them. Well, I know this and I know that and I know whether it's true or not. But they're in a position to do a great deal more harm than they were when they were just an outsider. They were given that kind of access and opportunity, and then they're using that to try and disparage the company's reputation towards other people. It's a different kind of offense. Right. So instead of a person just sinning... <laughs> just sinning. Know, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. That sounds terrible. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but as, as opposed to a person who sins, <clears throat> we're talking about somebody who... Purposefully, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, but who right. who who walks away, and and not only walks away, but now they're they're trampling underfoot that which they had received. They are stomping on it. They're stomping on what they received God's grace before. They're 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 talking it down. They're well, those guys over there, they think they're so great, but yada yada yada. They, now they're damaging Christ's reputation because of their lifestyle and actions after making that choice to walk away from it. Because they were the ones claiming to be Christians. Right. So that's precisely what Hebrews describes here in chapter 6 when he says in verse 4, in the case of those who have once been enlightened. See, notice they've had that kind of personal connection. Right. And have tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. That defines them as Christians. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away. He says it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God. And here's the element of blasphemy. Put him to open shame. Mm. Mm -hmm. They've regarded as unclean the things which they have been made partakers of. And now they're doing an even greater disservice to Christ. Okay. So to clarify then, really the prayer that John is talking about 
mm-hmm. is a prayer that he says, don't pray this, don't pray for this person. It's really a prayer that's uh, asking forgiveness for that person. So when he's saying, don't, I'm not saying that you make requests for this. What he's saying is, is you know, there's no sense asking God to forgive that person because they don't, they don't want forgiveness, or maybe they want forgiveness, but they're not really interested in repentance. They're not interested right, in right. They're not interested <laughs> in God's reputation. They don't care. Right. They and so you can ask forgiveness for them, but you're you're wasting your time. Is that a, is that a way to put it or no? Yeah, they're not seeking that kind of forgiveness. See, and the difference, of course, is that see the guy who is for whom he might commit a sin, but it doesn't lead to death. Mm-hmm. See, he's the one who is seeking the relationship with Christ. He's the one who is engaged and who wants to have sin forgiven. This other guy for whom sin does lead to death, is the one who's kind of hung it up and said, you know what, I don't need that. I don't need to be a part of this. I'm going to do my own thing. And he walks away from it. Mm -hmm. Well, he's not seeking forgiveness. Why should we ask God to forgive him if that's not what he wants anymore? Right. He wants to do his own thing. Very different. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for that person at all. Because there is something we can pray for that person. As opposed to, God, please forgive them for this, forgive. You know, we could actually say, you know, God, would you please allow things in this person's life that they would come to repentance? Right. You know, Lord, would you please help lead them to, Lord, uh, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but that's how good thing the Holy Spirit utters things that we don't understand, Mm -hmm. right? But, uh, God, we pray that they would repent and come back to you. We can pray that. We certainly can. Yeah, it'd be very much like, you know, if, <clears throat> if, if one spouse walks out on the other spouse, uh, we don't want the one who is left there to keep footing the bill for the credit card because the one who left decided to take the visa with them mm-hmm. and continue to run up. It doesn't work that way. That stops. It, if they want to separate themselves, <clears throat> those ties are going to have to be have to be cut. Now, we're not going to say we hope they never get back together. But we're, we're going to, you know what, as long as they're apart, we ought not to be footing the bill for their rebellion. Ah, so they're, so they're, they're buying things on credit. Right. There's a price to be paid for it. And he's saying, look, don't, don't keep asking that that, that that bill get paid for by God, which really is forgiveness. That's that right. But we, we can pray, say, Lord, please, please help them to come to repent and get back together. Right, right. right. And then the relationship is there. And so then the, yeah, you got it. That's okay. exactly what needs to happen. Okay. So the question for us then is, well, what sin is willful sin? Yeah. Because Hebrews 10 said, if we go on sinning willfully. Yeah. It was, I mean, last time I checked, like a boo-boo? A good good percentage of the oh, sins I've whoops. committed in life were, <laughs> were kind of on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Right? Right. Sort of. So, sort of on purpose, kind of. Yeah, you know, most sin is willful, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we. I mean, re- I mean occasionally, yeah, that's a possibility. You might sin, and uh, in ignorance, that's that's a. Most sin, though, is not ignorant. No. Most sin is willful, and yeah. um, and so we can ask the question. I mean, I've sinned, and I've done so willfully. <clears throat> Does that mean, according to Hebrews ten, that there no longer remains a sacrifice? For sins, really hmm. depend. Yeah, that's a good, that is a, that's a good question actually to ponder. Number one, we need to own the responsibility. Okay, if you if you if you sinned, why did you do it? And generally, that is willful, and so we need to talk about okay, why did that happen. 
But we also need to consider sin doesn't lead to death in every case, even when it might be willful. It depends on what we're trying to accomplish. It depends on on whether or not we're seeking that relationship with God. We talked... Wait, are, did you just say the end justifies the means? No. No, no that's not... No. So I really wanted to do something good, me, therefore I sinned? No, 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 like, no, no. That's no. not what... Okay. No. If All we're right. still trying to... If we're still seeking the relationship with God, then we can deal with sin appropriately. And, and that's the end that we're driving for, is the relationship with God. We went through First John in the chapter 1 verses 5 through 10, several episodes ago. But it's worth touching on that just briefly. There are two guys that have sin. In verse 6 of 1 John chapter 1, he says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Notice that the guy in verse 6 and the guy in verse 7 have both committed sin. See, the one in verse 6, he lies, he doesn't walk in the, or he, he walks in the darkness and does not practice the truth. The guy in verse 7 also has committed sin. <clears throat> the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses him from that sin. Well, what's the difference between the guy in verse 6 and the guy in verse 7? Honesty. Yep, honesty is the issue. What are they trying to achieve? Are they trying to have a relationship with God? Are they being honest in, about their sin? Or are they trying to hide it as if it doesn't exist, sweep it under the rug, and just pretend it isn't there? You can see the same thing show up in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, the sin is there, but they're not being honest about it. Right. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But in verse 9, he gives us the, the, uh, the other side, the other perspective. If we confess our sins, there's the honesty. He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we haven't sinned, dishonest, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Sin is not the issue. It's whether or not we're willing to be honest about it before God. If we're willing to be honest, then the sin is taken care of. If we're not willing to be honest... <clears throat> then the sin remains, and as does the sin, so also the separation between us and God as we're trying or trying to avoid that relationship. Got it. So it seems like there's really two, two, two issues here. If a person's, you know, a person who wants to, well, is this sin leading to death or not? Really, are you being, is a person being honest? Right, a, right. But also, are they really wanting to go on? Yes. Are they willing to move forward? Or are they wanting to just stay... You know, I'm good. I'm good on this path. I don't need God's help. I don't need your help. I, you know. So really, the common thread here, um, if we're using Israel as an example, really, as Hebrews ten alluded to, it's really whether or not we really want to move forward, yeah. or if we're just deciding we're going to throw in the towel, cash it in, and I'm done. <laughs> Mark, how would that be verbalized? Because. People don't normally say that. You know, I'm done. I'm, I'm throwing in the towel. Yeah, cashing it in. Yeah, you go on. Uh, I quit. Uh, maybe it's a church split. Sure. They rob a bank and run off to the Cayman Islands. That happens I mean, all the time. You know, that, that happens all the time. What is it? Here's the question. We haven't asked it yet. What, what does that, does that look, look, look like, like in practice? What's right? it look like? Yeah. Usually, you know, when people reach that point, it's just like in marriage relationships. When people reach the point that they don't want to be married anymore, almost never do they just tell themselves, 
I don't want to be married anymore. I want to pursue my own selfish ambitions and do, do my own thing. They almost always find something in the other person to hate and justify their actions and say, I have to do this because... You made me do Yeah, because of you. Because of you. Right. Or sometimes they'll play the martyr. You know, it's best for you if I leave. <laughs> it's best for you right. if I take it, you know, remove myself from this relationship. Right. Or I thought that when we got married, you know, this isn't what I signed up for. You were a different person then. Yeah. But they almost always find something to pin it on that justifies... They're wanting to leave and why this is now the only and probably the best choice that I could make. Mm -hmm. Lots of times when that happens in Christianity, people do the same thing. They'll find something or someone to pin it on. They'll, that guy, I just as long as he's a Christian, I, there's no way I can be a part of this assembly. I just, I just have to get out of here. It's best for everyone if I do. Right? I just can't be a part and I can't feel like and so I'm going to have to remove myself. All of that is baloney. All of that is just smoke and mirrors tried, trying to, to hide the fact that they want to leave. Mm. Well, and you know, I love you too much to stay. Love you. <laughs> That's it, right. right. It's not you. It's, it's me. me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Yeah. <clears throat> But there's lots of examples of that, you know, they, uh, for a whole host of different reasons. And the scripture brings them out in 1 Corinthians 10, you know, talks about the different reasons why Israel died in the wilderness. And it doesn't say that, that uh, you know, it was so hard for them. Or it says that, you know, immorality killed a whole bunch of them. They craved evil things. That's why God was not well pleased with them. They acted immorally, they were idolaters, and they, they tried the Lord by grumbling. Those were the things that killed them. Yeah. When they said, we're not willing to go a step further, we quit, that's it. Right. And in, in Hebrews, he, he implores, he implores Christians, he says, don't harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, and he makes a quote, he quotes Psalm 95, he says, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as they did at Meribah. Yep. Which really means place of strife. So there's this hardening that took place. Is say, I don't want to go on anymore. I want nothing to do with this anymore. And you can, it can be couched in all kinds of different ways. Oh yes, but but it really is a hardening of the heart. Yeah, I don't want to go on anymore. And you see it happen over and over again with Israel. You know, they hit they hit something, whatever it is, that they don't want to give up. They don't want to go through. They don't want to overcome. And we're going to have to kill Moses. That's that's yep. the that's the that's the solution here. Right. Moses is going to have to die, and uh, when we're going back to Egypt, and that's a sin that they don't want forgiven. They're not trying to move forward. They're looking for excuses to turn back, and it's the same thing when we read First John chapter five. <clears throat> These guys who are committing sin that leads to death are not looking to move forward. They're really looking for excuses. They're trying to get back to Egypt. Okay. So what if a person's listening to this and they say, you know what, that kind of sounds like me. I mean, first of all, <laughs> which which part, the killing Moses? Or uh, the <laughs> sure. Well, maybe there's someone who's had those kinds of thoughts run through their head and they felt angry. They felt like walking away or or maybe they've done their fair share of walking away. Or maybe they maybe they think that they're in this spot. Yeah, they're asking those questions. <laughs> uh, have I committed a sin leading to death? Am I continuing to sin willfully? Is there a sacrifice for my sins? Where am I at? Yeah, I, you know, I've seen a lot of folks use the Hebrews chapter 10 passage that says, 
in verse 26, if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. They actually use that as an excuse to say, well, it's over for me. Yeah, already I already it. committed the sin, so I, I'm lost and I can't be. That tells me a lot of still where it is they're headed and where they want to go. But you could just as easily look at that verse and say, if you go on sinning willfully, well, then stop. Why not just put the brakes on? Stop sinning willfully. See, if you go on sinning willfully, there no longer remains. So stop. So just quit. Yeah. Get it turned around. Now is the time to do that. In fact, so if they're genuinely asking the question, you know, have I crossed the line? Have I, you know, is it over for me? Well, if they're seeking to get it right, then that's a pretty good indication that it's not too late. Right, depending on their answer. <laughs> uh -huh. you know? So I mean, today, if you hear his voice, stop. Yeah. Don't harden your hearts. So your answer to that question really is, okay, what do I do about it right now? What do you want to do, exactly? What do I want to do? And if you can choose to move forward or to just quit. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. I think everybody comes to those times in their lives where they, you know, they kind of sit back for a minute and say, wow, you know, maybe this is harder than I thought. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've come to those places where I had to stop and ask myself, do I want to go forward from here? Do I want to do that? Those are difficult, those are difficult moments when you have, when you really have those soul-searching moments and you have to decide, do I go forward or do I go back? I guess we're trying to encourage you to go forward. Everybody's going to come to those. You're not alone in no. that. You're not the first person to reach that. And Christianity is not easy. Uh, anybody who told you it was, was lying to you. It, it's not easy. But it doesn't mean you got to pack it up and go home. It just means that today, you got to take one step in the right direction. It just means today, you've got to turn yourself in the direction you, you need to go and take one positive step. Just do the right thing today. You know, sometimes when I'm in dealing with couples, you know, who are separated, it is so hard for them to begin to make the overtures of, of reconciliation because pride is involved and just do one right thing today. Turn it around. Just make the decision. I'm going to put the right foot forward today and I'm going to make today count. And we'll, we'll see, see you, you next time. time. On Interman Radio.